We want to start our year together the way that we always do, looking at the back uh, of our notebook and the gospel, um, the Wellspring purposes and the discipline. And we want to keep these in front of us so that we're reminded each time that we gather together why we do what we do. Why do you get up early on Saturday morning to come to be around God's word? We want to be sure the target is always in front of us. The target, the object of our attention in the Wellspring perp is the Wellspring purpose. It's the overriding reason, overriding reason we gather. It's the umbrella over all that we do. So our Wellspring purpose is to equip and encourage the women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd their hearts toward Jesus Christ with the Word of God so that they live gospel-transformed lives thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. So the purpose of this ministry, it says, and the aim of our elders, our shepherds, is to equip us and to encourage us to shepherd our hearts toward Jesus Christ with the word of God. And as we shepherd our hearts with the word of God, we live out the gospel in our lives, in our homes, and in our ministry. And so can we not just say right there, we are blessed women. We are in a body that the elders, this is their aim for us. This is their desire for us to grow and to be equipped to be more like Christ. This is just one of the ways that has been provided. Our shepherds are a gift to us, and we want to give thanks for them continually, much. So we're to be diligent, right? We're to be disciplined to bring our hearts to Jesus, our Redeemer, through daily meeting with him in his word. This is the safest place, this is the only safe place to examine our hearts, a place where we'll be transformed to be like him as we behold his greatness, the greatness of who he is and what he has accomplished on the cross on our behalf. And so I want to just look at the word discipline this morning. Discipline, discipline means giving up the good and the better for the best. So an athlete has to be disciplined, right, in order to win the prize. He must watch over his diet and over his hours. He must smile and say, no, thank you, when people offer sugary uh, desserts or invite him to nighttime parties. There's nothing wrong with food or fun, but if they interfere with his highest goal, then they are hindrances and not helps, right? Well, there is a daily giving up of the good and the better for the best for us in this pursuit of God in our lives daily many 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 things even good things and maybe not so great things are always pulling us in different directions sleep in the morning a little extra social media is a great distraction you time and so much more can keep us from the very best thing and we must discipline ourselves to say no thank you to those things just like the athlete does Whatever interferes with our highest goal to shepherd our hearts toward Jesus Christ with the word are hindrances and not helps. We are called to discipline ourselves for the best. What is it that my heart needs most? What will benefit those around me most? What will bring God the greatest glory? It will always, always be shepherding my heart toward Jesus Christ with the word of God. And Luke 1039, um, this is Mary and Martha, right? And uh, Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. 
And she came up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you care that my sister has left me to do all of this serving alone? Then tell her to help me. And Jesus answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Mary chose to be with Jesus, and the Lord was pleased with her. So discipline one is the heart. The faithful woman of God shepherds her heart worshipfully toward God with the word, through the word of God, and in particular the gospel. This is the result of spending time with God in his word. The gospel transforms us and consequently transforms how we live, how we think, how we speak, how we respond, and how we serve and how we love. It's not, being a, it's not about being a good Christian woman or about making myself look better, but it's for the glory of God. He is the one who is to be made much of. He alone is good. The end of this heart shepherding is not for my glory, but for his alone. And that leads us to discipline too, the home. The faithful woman of God is concerned for those in her home and ministers to them with their heart fixed on God and his word. The true shepherding of my heart has the result also that I will be concerned for those in my household or those that God brings into my home. And I will joyfully minister to others with my heart fixed on God and his word. The home is a display of how the gospel has transformed my heart. I speak of true shepherding because there is the danger of checking off the box, of reading God's word and praying, yet never really truly engaging with him. Discipline 1 says the faithful woman of God, the woman who has her heart fixed on God and his word, this one concerns herself with the ministry of those God has placed in her home. We are to be faithful women who daily set our hearts on God and his word for the love of those he has privileged us to care for. And ministry with a heart fixed on God and keeping her God-given ministry within her home a priority, the faithful woman of God steps into the church and every part of life to shepherd others toward God and the gospel. All of life is ministry. Again, as we shepherd our hearts, And the influence of God's word and the gospel is displayed, not perfectly, but displayed ever increasingly, will be positioned to love others in the church, shepherding others toward God and the gospel. As long as I think that shepherding is only for my heart, it's just about me, as something I do for myself, in that way it's easy enough to let let it go, like skipping a meal or missing the gym. It isn't hard to take a pass if I'm the only one bearing the, um, the consequences. It's possible to be with a half-hearted, contented with a half-hearted pursuit of God. But as we read the word and speak to God, we draw nearer to him. So we grow to conformity of Christ. We also grow in knowledge to help protect the church from error, to grow in character, to help protect our church from ungodliness. Grow in God, grow in holiness. One of the great dangers in the Christian life, and, and let me even say about that, to help protect our church from me, right? From my own sin. That, that's heart shepherding. And what is one of the greatest dangers in the Christian life is living for ourselves. 
One of the associated dangers then is seeing heart shepherding as a practice that goes no further than my own heart. But our intimacy with God, our knowledge of God, our time alone with him works its way outward to everyone around us. The good we can do for them every day is the good of spending time with God. We care for our hearts and we care for the hearts of those in our bodies. Ephesians 4.16 tells us that the body helps the body to grow. And as we read and pray, spending time with the Lord, reading his love letter to us, our hearts are brought into submission to Christ by what he reveals to us in those quiet moments alone with him. And every day it's necessary for this mixed conditioned heart to be brought near to God's word and to God. So that's the Wellspring purpose and disciplines for this morning. Anne, would you like to pray when you come up? I know you'll want to do that, so I'll leave that to you. Thanks for letting me share. All right, well, let's do pray, and then, then we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning you've given us. Thank you for this building we have to meet in. Lord, thank you for giving us yourself, for giving us Jesus for giving us your Holy Spirit to lead and guide us and comfort us. You are a good and amazing God. And Lord, we do praise you and we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, so we are going to be talking about the discipline of shepherding my heart. And I wanted to start with something that some of you may have already heard, but you get to hear it again. Um, and this is from Paul Tripp, and this is called, You Talk to Yourself. No one is more influential in your life than you are, <coughs> because no one talks to you as much as you talk to yourself. I know from my life, that's really true. And this group's a little bit different than the Thursday group, because Lots of those ladies have little three-year-olds that they talk more to the mommies than, you know, than you talk to yourself. But this group is a little bit, okay, I'm probably, in, I'm just going to get in trouble. That's okay. But you guys are a little bit more where I am, or maybe you have a little more time in the car by yourself or in the house by yourself. I know I talk to myself. I talk to myself out loud a lot. And it's, yeah. see, you laugh, but it's really true. So Tripp goes on to say, people laugh at this statement, but I'm quite serious. You're in an unending, incredibly important conversation with your soul every moment of every day. You interpret organize and analyze what's going on outside and inside of you. You talk to yourself about the past, you talk to yourself about the future, and you talk to yourself about what you're experiencing in the present. Obviously, this is an internal conversation. <laughs> if you had this conversation aloud, they would probably put you into a ward. But that's why it's so dangerous. You often don't even realize that you're saying things to yourself, but you are. 
You're saying things to you that will shape your desires, your actions, and your theology. What are you saying about God and your circumstances? Do your words stimulate faith, hope, and courage? Or does your talk stimulate doubt, discouragement, and fear? Do you remind yourself that God is near? Or do you reason with yourself that given your circumstances, he must be distant? Here's the question. How wholesome, faith-driven, and Christ-centered is the conversation that you have with yourself every day? Do you remind yourself of your need? Do you point yourself once again to the beauty and practicality of God's grace? Do you tell yourself to run toward him in those moments when you feel like running from him? No one is more influential in your life than you are because no one talks to you as much as you talk to yourself. So what will you say to yourself today? And then to make matters worse, he has some reflection questions. And I'm just going to read the first one. Would you be comfortable with someone listening to a recording of your internal conversation? Okay, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> but that's why this lesson is important, because we do talk to ourselves. So when we, now we're going to go into the actual lesson. When you hear the term shepherding my heart, what comes to your mind? If you're newer to GBC, you may be wondering exactly what in the world does that mean? And we hear it a lot. Sometimes I think we can just, you know, mark a little, you know, one, two, three, four, five. Oop, I heard that again. But it's a great term because it really does help us understand what, what God has called us to do. Sometimes when we talk about shepherding our heart, we're talking about that quiet time, that time that you set aside in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening or somewhere in between, um, spending time with your Bible open, um, spending time with the Lord, what some people refer to as a quiet time. That can be considered shepherding our heart, okay? Um, what we're talking about today, though, well, we're going to talk a, like this much about that, but we're going to talk about the rest of the time. Um, I do want to remind you that a shepherd is someone who herds, who tends, who guards. So that's what we're called to do. I think herd that those wild horses as your mind runs away. We're going to herd it back in. We're going to tend and we're going to guard our heart. And what's our heart? It's not our ticker. That's not what we're talking about. When we talk about our heart, we are talking about our thoughts, our desires, our opinions, our emotions, our attitudes. What it is, our heart, when we use that, we're talking about you. It's the control center of you. So as we put it together, shepherding my heart means to tend, guard, and watch over carefully my thoughts, my heart, my mind, my soul. And that's the theme verse from Wellspring. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So we're going to, again, look at two different aspects of heart shepherding. 
our quiet time when we're sitting where our Bible's open, and then the rest of the time. So why do we open our Bibles, whatever time of day that is, and, and read God's Word? Why do we do this? Well, Scott Maxwell says we come to the Word of God to meet with the God of the Word. That's why we do it. As um, Suzanne said, this is God's love letter to us. Why are, I think she said that, maybe it's Thursday. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but, but we, it's God's revealed will to us. Why would we ignore it? And back, your very first week's homework was Psalm 19. And I just want to read a little bit of that to you because this is what God says about his word. Starting in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I'm simple. This will make me wise to spend time in God's word. Why wouldn't I do that? The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. If you go to verse 11, Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Why wouldn't we spend time in God's word? So why do we come before the Lord with our Bibles open? And I'm just going to give some thoughts, and this is not an all-inclusive list. But we can grow. We will grow in our knowledge of God by spending time in God's Word. We will know His will. We will grow in our love for God. We will grow in our enjoyment and in, and our delight in God. We will grow in our fear and reverence for God. We will grow in our understanding of our own need for God. We will grow in our relationship with God. And hopefully we'll grow in holiness and grow in maturity. And I do believe we will. John 17, 3 says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's eternal life, knowing God. So the time that we spend with the Lord in his word builds the foundation for the rest of the time. And ladies, there's lots of different methods of how you spend time with the Lord. There's probably, as many of you in here, different reading plans or how you do it or your, you know, some of you will have a cup of hot tea, some will have some coffee, some will have nothing. Um, but those are methods. The, the reading plans are the methods. But the principle that is so important is how whatever it looks like that you're spending time with God in his word, worshiping him, 
reading his word, knowing him and loving him. So that's, that's the principle, is that we want to encourage you to spend time in God's word. So that's the short part of shepherding your heart, that quiet time. Now I want to talk with us about the rest of the time, where we're living life while we're maybe working, taking care of kids, homes, shopping, driving, all those things where we spend the bulk of our time. And that's the time where I talk to myself. And remember, no one's more influential in my life than me because I'm talking to myself a lot, and so are you. Um, has anybody in here ever had this happen? You're reading your Bible, you've had your quiet time, and five minutes later you find yourself upset, whether it be somebody in your house or you're now in the car driving. For me, the ones that get me are not the person necessarily that goes flying past me, but the person that's 20 miles underneath the speed limit. <laughs> I'm on the freeway. Don't you know I'm going to church and you are in my way? <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes that can happen. So as we are shepherding our help, ourselves throughout the day, this is a tool, the these spirals um, so I'd like you to get those out um, I think it's yeah you have that um, and we're going to go through this kind of sort of quickly maybe um, and this just kind of is hopefully a picture of what it looks like if we're not shepherding our hearts well during the day and then what it looks like to do that. And then I want to give you some tools, um, just some ideas of how, how do you kind of rein that talk in and make it something that will honor the Lord and help you, okay, and help me. So we want to start by looking at the orange spiral. And as you see at the top, it says, I desire plus I deserve equals I demand. And I'm sure as you hear that, you know, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, not good. <laughs> but, but what does that look like? So what's a definition of a desire? A desire is something, it's to want something, to long, or to hope for. So right there, you can tell a desire is not necessarily evil. We have lots of desires. It's good that we have desires. Um, if we had no desires, you would all be home, still in bed, in your jammies, all wrapped up, because it's a desire to be here that gets you here, okay? So God gave us desires, but sometimes our desires, even good ones, can become problematic. So one way for us to tell if our desire is evil is if I want something more than I want God or if I'm willing to disobey God to get it. Is my desire self-centered or is it a desire for God's will? The Tyndall Bible Dictionary says the Bible teaches that the essence 
of sin is a determination to have one's own way. And I think that's what happens with desires that get out of hand. So there are some things that we know right off the bat are sinful, evil desires. And God's word teaches us that it is always sinful to desire something that God forbids, whether it be getting drunk, lying, stealing. We, there are some things we don't need. I don't need to pray, Lord, I'm going to go steal today. Is that okay? I, I know that's not okay. But where we get in trouble is those neutral desires. So if I say, I want a different house. I want a newer car. I want to have children. I want to have grandchildren. I want to be married. I want to be respected. I want to be treated kindly. None of those are sin in and of themselves. Okay. However, if I'm willing to sin to get them, then, or, or that's the focus of my life, then I know that those desires do not honor God. So I have this desire, okay, and my hand's kind of like, oh, okay, I want it, Lord. And now I think I deserve. I'm think that God owes me something because I'm at Wellspring at 7 in the morning. I serve in Next Gen with, with the two-year-olds. I mean, like 25 of them. You do get an extra crown for that. I'm sure of it. I am just sure of that. But I've, you know, I've, I've sacrificed. I've given money. I've done I, 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 I. I have done all these things for you, God, so you need to give me what I want. It's thinking that I deserve something. And then it just, I demand, which, I mean, that's, that just is kind of dumb to demand something from the creator God of the universe. But we do it, okay? So now I've got that desire. I think I deserve it. And now I'm demanding, and it leads me to being disappointed, to discouragement, and despair. It is shaking my fist at God. And we see an example of this downward spiral in James 1, verse 14 and 15. It says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And desire and lust can be used interchangeably. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it leads it brings forth death. And so we see it's disappointed, discouraged, and despairing. And so the spiral is kind of like um, a symptom checker. I don't know if any of you ever go on the internet and you type in symptoms, and boom, now you've got a diagnosis. You can be an internet doctor, okay? This is your internet doctor right here. So if you start seeing these attitudes, and I'm going to go through these rather quickly. If you see pride, if you're prideful and arrogant, wise in your own estimation, um, think of King Neb Nebuchadnezzar. 
as he's telling God, I did all this, and what happened? He's out eating grass for seven years. Uh, you can read about him in Daniel 4. Um, without peace, you're bitter, loving pleasure and comfort, angry, anxious, and fearful, ungrateful, envious, and jealous, hopeless. Those kind of attitudes, they're like the symptom checker, okay? And then some more are the actions that come, can come along. Being demanding. God, you owe me. Loving myself. Boasting. Grumbling. Grumbling's one. That is a symptom of a discontented heart. Biting and devouring. Disputing. Criticizing and judging. Prayerless. Not asking God. Um, James 4.2 says, You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Withdrawing. And I think, okay, this is... I'm going to be busted again. So if you do the symptom checker, sometimes you can put in symptoms, and it will pop up, and it will tell you, call 911 immediately, okay? <laughs> there are a few things. The older you get, the more that happens. Um, but this, withdrawing, to me, is like a call 911, okay? Proverbs 18.1 says, He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. If you find yourself withdrawing from the means of grace, being part of the body, contacting your believing friends, that's like a 911, okay? Um, so that's just put that in the back of your head. If, if And if you see someone withdrawing, I'm not saying that they're necessarily, you know, up to their eyeballs in sin, but that can be a sign. So I, I would just recommend if you see someone in that spot, reach out to them. Or if you find yourself in that spot, talk to yourself and say, self, go talk to somebody about this, okay? Because that one especially is, is kind of, I, it's a 911, okay? And then returning evil for good. All that, those are just symptoms, and this is not, we don't want to live in the orange spiral. Okay, it's not in my notes, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, if you find yourself living there continually, I want to encourage you to check up on yourself see if you're truly in the faith because if you look at this list these are not the marks of a believer okay and we all know we have indwelling sin we are in a mixed condition and we're even seasoned really like 90 year old really old believers you know I envision myself in the rocking chair sinning okay <laughs> I, because I know I know my heart. 
but don't be comfortable with it. If you're living here continually, please reach out to somebody and, and work through it. Um, because this, I hope nobody likes orange, because the orange spiral is ugly. It's, <laughs> it's not where we want to live, okay? So if we see that, we do need to be concerned. So there's the sermon that's not written. So I want to contrast that picture to the beautiful blue spiral, because blue is my favorite color. So I really like the blue spiral. So here's the contrast. Let's shepherd our hearts the way that we should, okay? So I desire plus what I truly deserve equals no demands. So what I desire, I hold with an open hand before the Lord, seeking his will. And remember, remember, ladies, if it's a sinful desire, you need to repent. Don't hold a sinful desire to the Lord and say, oh, Lord, please, you know, please give me this sinful desire. Not going to happen. God, if God does that for you, you really need to check up on yourself, okay? So... We want to hold with an open hand our desires. We want to cry out to the Lord and make our requests known to him. So then it's holding that desire with what I truly deserve. And what does scripture say we deserve? Romans 2, 5, and 6 says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. Before Christ, what I had earned for myself and what I deserved was wrath. Okay? What else does God say that we deserve? We deserve death. The wages of sin is death. Praise God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So remember, ladies, for us, for the believer, our very worst day on earth is better than what we deserve. This is not like Joel Olson says, you know, your or Olstein, um, your best life now. It's this is as bad as it's gonna get. Okay, for the believer, our worst day here is as bad as it will get. And for the non-believer, this is as good as it's going to get. Their worst day, that's as good as it's going to get. So having that biblical understanding of what we truly deserve helps us to think rightly. And I want to share a quote from the Greener Grass Conspiracy which is out of print now. Um, sorry. So if you can get your hands on it, you should. Um, I think, is is it now a PDF? It is, and I, I just accidentally, I was searching for a list of something and found um, where you can center it, the blog. And when you go to the blog, it pops up. You can get these five books as free, download the PDF and have fun. Oh, okay. So that was just last Sunday. Okay, this is, this is a wonderful tool. Okay. Yeah. I had heard that on Thursday. Becca said maybe it was possible. So now we know. Yay. You should get this. 
okay? And I'm going to read you a quote from it, and this maybe will whet your appetite. Um, Do you see how the gospel should obliterate complaining? Complaining is almost always rooted in a faulty sense of rights and privileges. Each Each of us has a lengthy list of things that we think we deserve. When life starts to short circuit and we don't get what we deserve, we start complaining. We imagine ourselves as the injured party who has every right to complain. But the gospel makes it very clear that the only thing we truly deserve is hell. God created us and therefore he owns us. As created dependent beings, we owe him complete unwavering allegiance and obedience. So we want to make our requests known to God with an open hand, understanding that what we deserve is wrath and death, and we make no demands of God. So what kind of attitudes, as we do the symptom checker, um, what will we be seeing as we're shepherding our hearts throughout the day? Um, We will see, we will be submissive, we will be content And I love this um, quote from Dave Harvey. He says, Godly contentment has to be more than being thankful you're better off than someone else. True contentment comes by comparing what we have to what our sins deserve. That means we find our contentment in the gospel. Um, Another attitude I won't be seeking my own way. I will not be wise in my own estimation. We'll see humbleness. We'll see a peaceable, peaceful spirit. Joyful, self-controlled, enduring, strengthened, and trusting. And what are the actions we'll see as we go through the symptom checker? I'll be making my request known to God by everything. Everything by prayer and supplication, as Philippians 4, 6 says, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. We do get to tell God. It's, it's not a problem telling God, Lord, please help me fill in the blank. Please do this, Lord, please. But it's his will be done, not mine. We'll see a, a patient person. We will be thankful. We'll be forgiving. We'll be gentle. We'll be kind and loving. And I'm sure you're recognizing the fruit of the Spirit. That's what we'll be seeing. We'll be overcoming evil with good. Romans 12, 17. This is a command. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone will be devoted to prayer, will not be vengeful. So as we're shepherding our hearts throughout the day, we're going to walk in obedience. We will believe that God is good. We'll trust his sovereignty. And then we'll be hopeful. And we'll believe that all things really will work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So how do we shepherd our hearts throughout the day? 
what, what if we're really struggling? What if we're talking to ourselves and we're not telling ourselves truth? What should we do? Well, first of all, if you're doing that, repent, okay? But these times are going to come. We do live in a fallen world. We do get sinned against, and we sin against others. We're going to have trouble. Um, don't be surprised. You need to be ready. I need to be ready. So I want to give some ideas of practically how. what does that look like? Um, and I want to say that starting these things when things are in chaos is difficult but sometimes that's what we have to do sometimes that's what the lord has for us but i think as we can practice these things before the storm comes it's we're way better off um and remember ladies our goal is not just to put on right thinking i'm I'm thinking rightly i'm talking to myself well um but I want to glorify God in everything I do. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So whatever we're doing, driving our car, cleaning our house, running errands, I want to do everything to the glory of God. And I also want to remind you what James 1.22 says. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We must not just be hearers of the word. We must be doers of the word. And before I give you my list, I also want to have one little side note um, that oftentimes we, we can just totally miss. How are you doing physically? Have you had enough sleep? Are you getting any exercise? Are you just eating ho-hos and donuts and, and, you know, Pepsi? That will affect you. Sometimes we can think that our physical body has no impact on our spiritual well-being. And I am not making or giving you an excuse But sometimes just making some minor adjustments there can help your heart. Um, I know I find it harder to obey God when I have a migraine or if my back is out um, or if I didn't sleep the night before. Um, It's not an excuse. But sometimes it's just more difficult. And I also want to encourage you, just as you would give, I give myself a little bit of extra grace in those moments. Give your, whether it be your roommates, your family, your husband, your whomever, your coworkers, whomever, if they're having struggles, if they've got a migraine, if they didn't sleep, Give them more grace, okay? You give them more than you get to give yourself, okay? Um, And as Suzanne mentioned, too, what are you filling your mind with? That's another thing you need to consider. The example I always think of is if you're discontent with where you live, then, then don't be on Pinterest. 
don't get house beautiful. Don't get, um, you know, don't go through model homes. That just, you know, that doesn't make sense. So, you know, it's kind of like they say, don't go to the grocery store when you're hungry because then everything that flies into your cart that you shouldn't be putting in there. There is, be wise. Um, there's some practical wisdom there. So um, now I just want to give you a list of 11 ideas um, of how, what does it look like to shepherd your heart throughout the day? Well, the first one, number one on your sheet is pray. Ask for God's help. He wants to hear from us. So if you're in the middle of a storm, or maybe things are going well, it, and everything in between, pray. Seek the Lord. Number two, and this is a three-part, okay? <laughs> ponder, okay? And the first thing I want to encourage you to ponder are the attributes of God. And I'm just going to read a little bit of Psalm 103. And I believe your homework this week is going to be to look at Psalm 145, right? Okay. Um, but Psalm 103, and okay, just remember this. Psalm 103 and Psalm 145. You're struggling. You want to look at the attributes of God. Those two Psalms go there, okay? And you can... Right in the front of your Bible, attributes of God, Psalm 103. And then when you get to Psalm 103, put C, Psalm 145. You've now got a chain reference, okay? Um, but those are two places. Remember that. If you're thinking, oh, I just don't, I, I need to know right now who God is, that's where you go. Um, and I'm just going to read a few from Psalm 103. This is speaking of our God. Our God our, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. Ladies, it's exciting to read about who our God is. So if you're struggling, go study the attribute and ponder the attributes of God. Um, okay, A.W. Pink has a book called The Attributes of God a great one. So I can recommend that. I know we have it on the bookshelf. Um, the next thing I'd like you to ponder, and this is still under number two, we're still pondering, okay, is ponder truth. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Ponder the truth of who God is. And then the next ponder is ponder your identity in Christ. And I want to recommend to you um, 
And I, I keep a copy of this in my Bible, and I would encourage you to do the same. This is from Smed's message, um, The Christian's Identity in Christ, back in August, August 31st, 2014. So you can go listen to it and print out the handout that he gave. Um, and this is a list, and it's five pages, I believe, of your identity in Christ. And I just want to read a few of these to you. I want you to think, if you're struggling or having a rough day, as a believer, if I talk to myself and remind myself that I am free from the mastery of sin, I am a slave of righteousness, I'm a slave of God, I'm uncondemnable, I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit, I'm adopted, I am foreknown, predestined for Christ-likeness. I'm called, I'm justified, I'm glorified. I'm God's elect. Okay, I just rattled off five or six of these. Aren't you encouraged? And Lori has a question. Can you just say, well, that August? August 31st, 2014. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I would encourage you, print this off, keep this in your Bible. This is a tool when... Sometimes you can't even think straight. Like, who am I in Christ? It's right here. It's all in all the verses. Um, this, this will comfort your soul. Okay? I guess you guys can tell. I have tools like this. I keep things like this at my ready um, because I know that I need, I need to be encouraged. Okay, now we're on number three. Promises. The promises of God are weapons for us. Um, now, I have this that I bought, this Precious Bible Promises by Samuel Clark. It's, it's um, all the promises of God's Word kind of put together. The one thing that's hard about it, it's in... Um, King James, so I'll just, okay, let me find, well, anyways, this is a good tool um, to have, um, but it's harder just because it's in King James, so, you know, for the, I'll read one of them, for the Father himself loveth you because ye have loved me, that's John sixteen twenty seven. so you could take this and put it into NASB or ESV or something else. Um, but you know what? The promises of God, where have we been when we're over there? Romans 8. That is like so exciting. If you just take Romans 8 and you start underlining the promises, it's full. It starts and it ends. It's a sandwich of promises. First of all, there is no condemnation for those who who are in Christ Jesus. Praise God. And the end, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, and this is where I need help, <laughs> um, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, what will be able to separate me from the love that's in Christ Jesus? From the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
praise God. And what's smack dab in the middle? What we just had last, was that last week or two weeks ago? Um, Romans 8, 28. I know it by heart, but I'm going to read it just to be careful. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And I'm going to keep going because it's so good. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Okay, I'm having a bad day. I go read that. I'm excited. Don't you guys just feel like cheering right now? I do. So the promises of God, they are weapons. Put them in your heart. Put them in your toolbox. Because times will come where sometimes you are hanging on by a thread and it's like right Lord you love me there's nothing that can separate me from you we need that okay um, I want to share one more quote from the greener grass conspiracy the promises of God are our weapons in the battle against discontentment and I believe our battle against wrong thinking for every temptation to be to discontent, there's a promise of God that meets that temptation. The abundant grace of God promised in the scriptures far exceeds any circumstances we encounter. But if we're going to fight discontentment or wrong thinking effectively, we need to stockpile our weapons. When temptation strikes, we need to have go-to promises to sustain and strengthen us. There should be pages in our Bible that are tattered and torn from constant use. And I would say Romans 8 is one of those pages. That is one of those chapters in God's Word that is just, it's, it's, like, it's like an energy drink, okay? So I just want to encourage you, stockpile the promises. Number four, people. And this is another three-part. So there's people from the past. Spend time studying the heroes of, of the faith. Study Joseph. Study Job. Paul. Jesus. Study Hebrews 11 and 12. 1 Peter. Those are just a few. But study the, 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 the saints from God's word. Okay? People from the present, okay? We have heroes around us. Um, we have Jacob Hantla, who, praise the Lord, he is home. Um, I got the update that he is home today. Um, he's back home. No, no, oh, or, no. In his house with his family, yes. Um, yes, sorry. Um, yeah. He had been in the hospital, so, um, yeah, so he is back home. Um, we have heroes that have gone to their heavenly home, like Matt Dodd. Um, we, we 
can observe older saints that are trusting the Lord in difficulties. We can see, and we have, we've had many saints, young saints in our body that are going through some really difficult things. And you know what? Some of the trials are really big, but you know what? Some of the trials are trying to get your three-year-old to sit still during church. It's an encouragement to watch that, okay? So we can be watching other people, people from the present that are trusting and loving God. We can watch them, okay? We need to keep other believers at close range. Fellowship is important. Um, that's one of the reasons why small groups are such an important thing at Grace Bible Church. Um, 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, The God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. We're called to comfort each other with what God has done in our lives. So when we know somebody else is struggling, we can comfort them with what God has done for us. Okay? We are called to do that. Um, and 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 7. This is just God's goodness. Um, this is a picture of what God does and how he uses people. So, for even when we came into Macedonian, Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Okay? Sometimes when, when you're struggling, God will bring someone to comfort you. Um, God is good in that. So we are called to comfort each other. And then the third thing regarding people is I want to encourage you to prefer other people. Um, we need to serve one another. First Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Part of, of that chaffronaire heart during the day is preferring other people. It's praying for other people. Um, it's getting off of the thinking about me. Um, okay. okay, that was number four, right? Okay, ah, it's early. <laughs> okay, number five, preach the gospel to yourself every day. So number five is preach. And I know last year, and I'm not sure if they've done it this year, um, the Gospel Primer um, was re is a recommended read. Um, this is full of the Gospel and will help you to preach the Gospel to yourself every day. And that is an important part of, of just staying in that blue spiral, okay? I want to read one of the, just a chapter from this, not a chapter, a paragraph from this book. 
The gospel also reminds me that my righteous standing with God always holds firm regardless of my performance because my standing is based solely on the work of Jesus and not mine. On my worst days of sin and failure, the gospel encourages me with God's unrelenting grace toward me. On my best days of victory and usefulness, the gospel keeps me relating to God solely on the basis of Jesus' righteousness and not mine. That's the gospel. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Number six, Psalms. Go to the Psalms. They are full of who God is, how to talk to him. They're full of his promises. The Psalms is a place in your Bible, especially in those moments where things are maybe spiraling. You're on that orange spiral. Go to the Psalms, okay? Number seven is praise, singing and worship are ways of shepherding our heart throughout the day. You have the songbook. That's a great place to go. If, you know, if things are going well, if things are not going well, or somewhere in the middle, go read one of those hymns. They will comfort your soul. Colossians 3.16 says, let the, word of God, Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Praise God for his many blessings. Praise is a huge thing. And sometimes when the storms are raging, just get Spotify. That's where all our GBC worship songs are. And sometimes you just have to listen to that. And sometimes you can sing along and sometimes you can hum along and sometimes you can barely hold on. But you know what? God is gracious in that he has given us that way of praising him. Number eight is perspective. Keep eternity in view. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are here on earth. Again, from the greener grass conspiracy. Through Christ who strengthens us, we can be content in our loneliness and disjointed relationships. But our longings for relationships should also remind us that this world is not our final resting place. In Christ, we can be truly content while on this earth, but we'll never be fully satisfied. The day of total complete and ultimate satisfaction is still coming. The day we see Jesus Christ face to face and look into the eyes of our Savior, we'll say, now I'm truly satisfied. 
perspective. Heaven is our home. And sometimes that's all we can remind ourselves. Lord, heaven is my home. This is as bad as it's going to get. Thank you, Lord. Number nine is provision. God is our provider. He provides a relationship with his son, the indwelling Holy Spirit. He gives us his word. He gives us his saving and enabling grace in order for us to respond in a godly fashion. God is our provider, and his provision is perfect. Second Peter 1, 3 says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. His provision is perfect. Number 10 is prepare. We all know we're all going to have difficulties of varying measure. Um, but as I said earlier, we need to prepare now what to do. We're going to have dis difficult circumstances. Others will sin against us. Sometimes we're not shepherding our heart as well as we should be. Um, there are sometimes we don't even know why we're struggling. We're just having a hard day. And we may be thinking, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. During these moments and even seasons, we need to be ready. We need to prepare ourselves. So I want to encourage you to prepare now. If you're in a place where things are going well, be thankful, but be getting prepared. Spend time knowing God deeper and deeper, better and better, so that when the storms come, and the older I get, the more I know they are going to come, we need to be prepared. And ladies, Wellspring is part of the preparation process. Going to church on Sunday, that's another means of grace. That is part of the preparation process. We, we live in such a privileged time where we have so much, um, but we need to prepare. Okay, um, Memorize God's word. Hide God's word in your heart. Have passages ready so that when you are tempted, like I said, um, you know, I need to know who God is right in this moment. I know I'm going to Psalm 103 or Psalm 145. Prepare. How did Jesus respond when he was tempted? He was prepared with God's word. He answered Satan um, with God's word. This, was, this is from Matthew 4. Um, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. How did Jesus answer him? But he answered and said, It is written, okay, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know what? When I start to think, well, maybe 
you know, this circumstance is going to take me away from the love of God. Oh, no, it's not. I can say, Romans 8, 38, I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor principalities, nor anything, oh, nothing, there's nothing that's going to separate me from the love of God. We need to know that because, you know what, we do have an adversary that I don't know how Satan and his demons work, but I know we do have an adversary. But I also know how Jesus fought the adversary. It's with God's word. So again, you need to be ready. Places in God's word to go. Sermons to listen to. Um, songs to sing. A trusted friend to help, help you in your time of need. To point you back to Christ. And don't forget, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Jesus said in John 14, 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. We, as believers, have the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And number 11, and this is three words. Practice, persevere, and press on. So it's practice, persevere, and press on. Philippians 4.8 says, and I read it earlier, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure. And then at the end of that, in verse 9, Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Practice those things. Okay? 1 Timothy 3.15 says, Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourselves and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. We need to practice. Um, we need to persevere. But guess what? That is something God does for us. Just as that golden chain that Smed taught us about last week, those whom he called, he justified, he glorified. And I think I missed some, but that's okay. The bottom line is, God glorifies us. He will persevere. He, If, if you're saved, you are saved. Praise God. But we need to persevere. Okay? And then press on. And that's Philippians 3.14. This is Paul saying, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Press on. Um, there are times, and, and you know, I know many of you in this room have gone been in those times where it's really hard and what I want to encourage you to do is do the next right thing if you're in an extremely difficult situation your life may consist of just doing the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing 
Spurgeon said, the very best thing in the world when you are nervous and troubled is to live by very short periods. Live by the day or still, or better still, live moment by moment. Sometimes when things are difficult, we can only see not even five minutes in front of our face. It's more like a minute in front of our face. And God is faithful, and he will be with us. Um, and I've said it now, I think, three times, but I'm going to say it a fourth time. A promise for me, one of my favorite promises in scriptures in scripture is Romans 8:38. I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You cannot tell yourself that promise too much. Um, now you may have noticed that on your list of 11 things Everything started with a P. And I wish Psalms was pronounced Palms, but it's not. <laughs> I was kind of disappointed about that. But I'm hope, my hope in that, because um, that is different than last year, um, is that if you're in one of those moments, you can remember, maybe all you can remember is, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the promises. Oh, I, I need to preach the gospel to myself. Oh, I can go to the Psalms. Oh, my perspective. I don't know about you. As I've gotten older, I don't sleep as well at night. And so having something like this to remember, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to press on is helpful. So um, hopefully that will help you. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. There's probably other P words that you could use, or you can pick a different letter. Um, but I hope those will be tools that will help you as you walk. I mean, we are to work out our salvation in trembling and fear, but it's God who's at work within us. As we are working out our salvation, I hope these tools will be helpful to you. I want to end with um, a little, I don't, some words from Spurgeon again. And this is be more like Christ. You are saved. Seek to be like your Savior. Strive to come nearer to Christ, nearer to God, and nearer to holiness. Every day, seek to lose yourself more in Christ, to live more completely in Him, by Him for him, with him. Seek to have greater heights of holiness, deeper self-denial, braver service, more intense love, more burning zeal, and be more godlike and Christ-like. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a good God and you love your people. Lord, you have given us yourself. You have given us your precious promises, Lord, so that we can know that we are yours. Lord, you are faithful, and you are good, and you love us, and you do good. 
and we praise you and we thank you. Lord, I do pray for the ladies as they go to their discussion groups that that would be a time to encourage each other to love and good deeds. Thank you for your grace and goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.